Today I'm going to focus on an area of seasons, but over the next two, maybe three weeks, it's almost like a series which, within a series. I want to talk to you about mountains and valleys and plains. Mountains, valleys, and plains. I want to talk to you about the real deal of Jesus' followers and the seasons that we go through at times. Today, I'm going to mostly focus on mountains. Will you say that with me, mountains? I'm going to mostly focus on that. Next week, I hope to mostly focus on where we typically dwell and live at the most parts of our life is the valleys. So today, I'm going to talk about the mountains a little bit. Next week, I hope to cover the valleys and sprinkle it with however the Holy Spirit wants to lead. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this time, and thank you for those that got water baptized. We bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare resurrection power over them, Father, as they come out of the waters new in you, resurrection power. We thank you for those who, you know, they said, you know, this is where I want to be planted, the core class. Father, we thank you for all those graduating uh, from high school or college. Bless them. Father, I just now, as, even as we read the word and we preach the word, we say, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Transform us from the inside. Bring hope. You're the God of hope. Do what you do, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. I ask that you would speak through me Father, to encourage and build your church in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. The land of Joshua, God gave the land and Joshua uh, was kind of as it were, the possession of the land was given to the tribes. And he says this in, in Joshua 12, 8, the first part of the scripture. I just think it's cool. It says, in the mountain country, in the mountain country, in the lowlands, and the Jordan Plains, and the slopes, and the wilderness. And I think about that. I think about all those pertaining to, can pertain to the seasons that we go through in life. The mountains, the slopes, the valleys, the wilderness, the lowlands, etc. So today I want to talk to you about the real deal of following Jesus and the seasons that we're faced with. I got born again in 86, really struggled for a bit, backslid. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 88. So from 88 through now, I have seen all kinds of seasons. I've been on mountaintops and been in the valleys and lowlands and plains and what have you. And I just testify that it's the real deal. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today and you think that your whole life following Jesus is a mountaintop experience... I got news for you. If you think that everything is peachy all the time, there's no pain involved, there's no suffering involved, I, 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 I don't know if this sermon's for you. At the same rate, if you think following Jesus is always dreadful and always depressing, there's a demon behind every bush, and most people have them too then I don't know if this message is for you either. But actually, honestly, the message is for both of you. And so uh, I want to share this. It's not been funny the last two services, so I don't expect it to be funny now. 
but I, I still gave it my best shot. It's in the spirit of, it's in the spirit of, you might be a redneck. Are you feeling me? I try. Sometimes things doesn't happen like you think when you're doing your notes and you're hearing from heaven and God's moving, you're speaking, the Holy Spirit's speaking through you, you're writing down your notes and you're like, this is going to be good. And then nobody really even chuckles or anything, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself on a mountaintop. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself in the fire. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself in a battle. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself tremendously blessed. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself being persecuted. You might be a Jesus follower if you find signs and wonders following you. You might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself in self-disillusioned at times. You might be a Jesus follower if you're packing a cross. Might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself in the wilderness. Might be a Jesus follower if you find yourself preaching the gospel in the street corner, in the gym, at the school, in your office. You might be a Jesus follower if, what will people say if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find out it's true? Wow. Praise the Lord. That's... That's more excitement than all the other two services together. Maybe it's because I prepped you and I threw a bait and you threw me a bone. There is a radical middle when it comes to Jesus' followers. Say that with me, a radical middle. There's a radical middle. It's not always up here and it's not always down here. There's a radical middle. When I say radical middle, I don't mean a lukewarm Christian so far from that because it is radical. There's a radical middle at times in the mountains that we're facing, valleys and plains and slopes and deserts. The radical middle is I no longer belong to myself. I'm not mine. I have to go with the Holy Ghost. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. There was a price tag on me, a price tag on you, and you have been bought. If you're a believer in here today, you're not your own any longer. You've been paid for. I surrendered to the providence and the sovereignty of God, and now I live a life of faith. And this walk of faith, I want to let you know, takes me in all kinds of terrains. Sometimes I find myself in the terrains of a mountain, and sometimes in the valleys, and sometimes wilderness, and plains, and such forth, so on and on. Though I may speak of valleys, I don't mean valleys as being a place of depression. I mean, the Bible says that God takes you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Sometimes that's in the mountain seasons, sometimes that's in the valley seasons, but nevertheless, he turns all things for the good for those who love him. He's going to take you from glory to glory. Are you feeling me today? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I trust in the sovereignty and the providence of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, no matter if it's a mountaintop or a valley, I'm going to walk that radical middle. Are you feeling me today a little bit? Let's talk about mountains just for a few minutes. 
I think it's important that every person in here at some point in time of their life, you get with God and you experience the mountain of God. When I say mountain of God or mountaintop experience, how many of you can relate to that and say, you know what, I think I've had one of those before. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Let me see. That's quite a few people. I would say probably the majority have had a mountaintop experience. Well, I want to talk to you about Moses just for a minute who had a mountain experience. Was it the top? I don't know in this situation. I think Moses had mountaintop experiences. I know that this has happened at a mountain. And so let's read Exodus 3, 1 and 2. If you would get your Bibles out, some of them, a couple of them is going to be behind me on the screen, but uh, uh, I'm going to be reading some other areas that's not on the screen. And it'd be wonderful if you follow with me today. Exodus 3, 1 and 2. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. Now, I want you to see something. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Every person in this room, you need at some point in your walk, to go to the mountain of God. Whatever that may look like, you need to go to the mountain of God. And it says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame. Is that Mississippi? No, I thought I, thought I saw a gentleman over there that was, I call him Mississippi. This is a different dude. I'm sorry, excuse me. Here we go. I'm all talking about, I'm all talking about Mountain of God, and I felt I saw a guy called Mississippi over there. You forgive me? Good. Here we go. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame and fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I mean, we've heard, if you've been in church, you've heard about this story even as a a little person and go kids and so forth and so on. Here Moses is. Moses is very interesting. Man, he's not just this dude with a staff. Moses has probably some baggage and a background. I mean, think about it. The brother was put out in the edge of the water in a basket. Come on. At times he was a slave. At times he was a prince. He was poor. He was rich. He was a murderer. He had an anger problem. He was a fugitive. He ran for his life. He found himself on the backside of the desert. And now God meets him at this mountain called Mount Horeb and the angel of the Lord speaks through this bush in a flame that doesn't burn out and this conversation begins between God and Moses. I want to read the conversation. It's going to be up there too behind me. It says this. I love this conversation. It's powerful. It says this in Exodus 3, 7 and 12. And the Lord said, I've seen surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. Stop for a minute. No matter what you're going through today, this week, next week, in a year, in five years, I want you to know that God sees you. He sees what you go through. He sees what your challenges are. He knows you very good. And goes on to say, and have heard the cry because of your taskmaster. He hears our prayers. For I know their sorrows, that know is yada, Y-A-D-A. Say that with me, yada. It's a beautiful word. 
It's very intimate. He knows exactly your pain and your sorrows and the things that you're challenged with. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. I mean, we got sighties going on, don't we? <laughs> now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, this is a conversation God's having with Moses, you guys. In this place of somewhere, Mount Horeb, he's talking with Moses. I mean, it's amazing, but Moses said to God, who am I? Let me back up. Come now, therefore, I will send you to the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What an experience. Right in that conversation, let me tell you what I think that Moses experienced and that you can experience in a season, in a moment, in a spiritual time on a mountaintop with God. It doesn't mean that you have to be on a physical mountain, though I love mountains. I'm going to tell you that right now. Elk hunting season comes. Come on, somebody. That offends you. I don't know if I'm sorry. Just got to be honest. I just ain't no need to lie. Because, man, you get up on, you're climbing that mountain, you walk through the springs and through a big old waller and just get up there, woo, and you get on that mountain and you see another mountain. It's like, I want to go to that mountain. And you climb up the other mountain and you get up that mountain, you see another mountain, you look over that mountain, you see other mountains. And all of a sudden, wow, there's something about just being on the mountain. And there's something about it when God meets you there. God shares his heart with Moses. God shares his personal plans with Moses. God gives Moses direction. God gives Moses destiny. God gives Moses ministry. All these things are taking place in this conversation that God's having with Moses. God wants to do that with you on a mountaintop experience. God wants to birth vision in your heart. He wants to renew you. He wants to fill you. He wants to clarify, bring excitement back and passion back and anointing and direction. Come on, if you haven't had a good old mountaintop experience with God, I encourage you to get with him. You know, this week I had the opportunity to go away for a couple of days. I spent two nights in the, in the woods and just, you know, yeah, some people drove by and waved, but mostly just me and myself and the Holy Spirit, you know, and just waiting on God. I did some hiking and stuff, but even in the midst of that, I mean, my primary person, just waiting on God. If you even just look up the scripture, wait, just look up wait in the Bible. And the, the, it was just so much to be said about wait, just waiting on God. I mean, all the anxieties begin to melt and all the, 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 the spinning of the brain and all the thoughts and all that, all of a sudden you're just waiting on God. I mean, it's beautiful. 
It's not like I didn't have, I didn't really have this big mountaintop experience while I was gone. But I tell you what took place just waiting on God. On Friday, I had probably some of the best prayer, personal prayer than I've had in a very long time. I think our society struggles with even spelling weight. Because we want to microwave everything. I mean, come on, McDonald's, you just hold me up. Fast food, this ain't fast. I'm going through the drive-thru. Come on, where's my change? You feeling me? I encourage you. I, I think I'm going to preach one day on just wait. Still. And the importance of that. And how God will meet you. That's kind of like for free today. But I, I want to keep going. Elijah, Elijah just had a, an amazing victory. Elijah was a, probably one of my favorite prophets, if not my favorite prophet, him and Elisha. But I'm talking about the old man, Elijah, right now. And, and uh, he, 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 he's the one that, he, the Bible says he's a man like me and you. He prayed. Let's think about this kind of prayer. He prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it rained. And all of a sudden, he goes and he challenges the people of God. He says, who will you serve? And then all of a sudden, there's like a showdown. All the false prophets come out, and Elijah's like, me and God? That's the majority right there, yo. They come out and they put on this big old scene. These false prophets are dancing around their altar, cutting themselves, and ain't nothing happening. And then they, you know, they got this sacrifice, and it's now Elijah's turn, and Elijah's like, soak down the sacrifice. Man, dig the dig. more water, soak it down. And then he calls fire down from heaven just licks up the, the water and the sacrifice. And all the false prophets, is just sacrifice, they sacrifice them then. And then this mighty man of God, this crazy woman named Jezebel gets involved because that's her false prophets. And she sends a letter to, 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 to Elijah, and, and Elijah is absolutely hoodwinked. I'm telling you, he is completely completely trapped in fear. And you may think, well, how could a person who does great and mighty exploits, all of a sudden they're faced with such fear? I believe that people who are very prophetic sometimes, they, they fight these battles within themselves and especially fear. And so Elijah, the Bible says, he just takes off. I mean, the guy takes off. He's in the wilderness. Say that with me, the wilderness. He's under a tree. He's depressed. How you go from here to here? Calling fire down, and now you're like suicidal. He's like, oh, God, just God, just go ahead and take my life. Seriously, I mean, he's suicidal, he's depressed, he's hopeless. And at one point in his journey, an angel shows up and gives him food. He goes in that food, with that food, for 40 days. Guess where he ends up? He ends up in a cave. Can you say that with me, cave? Guess where the cave is? The cave is at Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. 
this conversation begins with, with Elijah and God. I just want to read it just for a minute. I think it's power. First Kings 19, 11 through 13. I hope you have your Bible. I hope you click on it or turn there because it's just absolutely amazing. After this great victory, after this time of wilderness and disillusionment and hopelessness and depressed, I mean, his soul is just, he's jacked up internally in his mind and thinking and now he's on the mountain in a cave, and this conversation begins. Then he said, God, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke uh, the rocks and pieces before the Lord. That's a strong wind right there. When you have winds that break up rocks, you got a strong wind. Can somebody say strong wind? I mean, that's a strong wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small. God says, so it was when Elijah heard it that he rapped. No, it, it didn't say that. This is not what God said. This is just talking about the Bible. And look what he does. He, Elijah heard it and that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, listen to this. What are you doing here, Elijah? God's speaking to him. See, whatever we're faced with, it doesn't surprise God. God doesn't ask us questions because he doesn't already know. I mean, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. I think he wants to see our perspective, what's in our heart. And he says, what are you doing here? And I'm going to tell you, I'll just go ahead and just tell you the rest of the story real quick. I think Elijah was at a very, very you know, like a crossroad in his life. He's about to throw in the towel. He thinks that he's the only prophet left kind of on the face of the earth. And God had saved many other thousands. And, 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 and I think God brings him to this point to show, you know what, Elijah, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not, this is like P-J-O-V right here, J-O version, because listen to this, I'm not done with you yet. I got a plan for you, Elijah. I know what you've been through. You had this great victory, and you've been down in the valley, in the wilderness, and, and you feel defeated, but I'm not done with you yet. And he gives him his marching orders at this mouth of the cave, at the mountain of Horeb. If you feel like Man, I'm done, J.O. I don't know what to do in life. I don't know where I'm really going. I love Jesus, but I don't have real specific direction. I want to encourage you to really get with God, to really get with God. I don't know where your cave might be or where your mountain might be or where you like to get with God. I encourage, because God, I believe, like he spoke to Elijah, he wants to speak to you. He's not done with you yet. He's got a great plan for your life. And he begins to tell Elijah this, hey, 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 hey. I want you to go and I want you to anoint King Hazel. I want you to go and I want you to anoint Jehu. And I want you to go, and I want you to anoint a prophet in your place named Elisha. And it all happened. His marching orders, where, what he was going to do in the future, it all began to take place right there on that mountain. 
mountaintop. I've had mountaintop experiences in my life. Me and my wife's had mountaintop experiences. Wonderful. There are all kinds of different type of mountaintop experiences. I think the day that we got married was a, an amazing mountaintop experience. I think when my, we had our kids, I remember this day, man, Redwood Memorial, Northern California, and Seth and Jamie. And I, I mean, I was so excited. It was absolutely a mountaintop. And, and, you know, the day that we got married also... We stepped right into ministry that day that we got married. And before you know it, we're in full-time ministry. I mean, we've had some mountaintop experiences. And then I remember going through presbytery and these men and women praying over us and, and prophesying over us. And we still have that CD to this day of the voice of God spoken over us and how we went back and listened to that and saw and heard the word of the Lord come to pass in our life. You're in a building right now that was prophesied over by Mark Strong that he saw buildings. Come on. I tell you, there's something about the prophetic word, the sound above all sounds. I mean, it can really bring a mountaintop experience. And then my wife's writings, and, I mean, yesterday, open up the newspaper and, and a, a magazine in there with an article, it was just really cool. Just these amazing mountaintop experience. Church planting was a mountaintop experience almost 11 years ago. Let me say something about a mountaintop filming. Mount Everest is over 29,000 feet. Anybody ever climbed Mount Everest? That's what I thought. <laughs> 29,000. The first time it was ever climbed by two people, I understand it was 1953. The average temperature that I found in January, the average temperature, minus 33 in January. Can dip to minus 79. Wind up to 177 100, not 77, not 7, 177 miles an hour. That's hurricane gales. That's, that's some wind. Sometimes top of a mountain. Why you say that, J.O.? Because you can't live on top of a mountain. You can't live on top of a mountain. I love mountaintop experience, but that's not where we dwell. That's not where we live. It's unstable. It's windy. It's cold. You can't live on a mountain. I find that, I, I, I think I find Christians that try to do that. I call them Jesus jumpers. Jesus. You just, I'm going to just jump on this mountaintop, this mountaintop. Oh, this church is happening over there. I'm just going to jump to this church and this church, and this church. Oh, this conference. Oh, let's go to this conference and this conference. How many of you know that Jesus didn't call you to be a Jesus jumper, but a Jesus follower? You know, when I'm hunting, I don't jump from mountaintop to mountaintop. How many of you hunters, you typically get on a mountaintop, and you want to go to the mountain? Guess how you have to get to the mountain? You usually go through a valley or a saddle or lowlands or something. You see, Jesus jumping ain't really real. Now, put your stones down. Don't throw them at me, but just feel me today. Jesus wants you to know that you're going to go through different seasons of your life, and it's not always on top of the mountains. Are you following me? Typically, if you go to a real mountain, there's nothing growing on top of that mountain. If it's real high, there's very little growth or there's very little fruit. If you go on Mount Everest... There's just not nothing growing up there. You'll, you'll find dead people around. Right? 
It's not a place that you can dwell. There's not a lot of transformation that goes on and the renewing of the mind, etc. on top of these mountains. Getting born again, I pray that if you don't know Jesus today, you're going to have the opportunity to meet him. That's a mountaintop experience. But I want to let you know, walking with Jesus day to day is valley. Getting married, mountaintop experience. The wedding, right? But marriage? How many of you honestly say marriage is valley? Don't lie all up in church. Now, come on, go with me. <laughs> Wedding, mountaintop. Marriage, valleys. Right? Anybody in their marriage, you always stay on the mountaintop? <laughs> Having a baby. Mountaintop experience. Changing diapers. <laughs> valleys. I was so thankful when my babies got out of diapers. I mean, that was an amazing thing. How about teenagers? Mountains, valleys, plains, oh my. Mountains and valleys and plains, oh my. Mountains and, huh? Church planting was absolutely a mountaintop. But I tell you what, there was a lot of valleys involved from discipleship to decision. You know, we're in a building right here. But I'm going to tell you at times in a building program, there's some valleys in the midst of that. Joseph had a dream when he was a young man. I think the dream was a mountaintop dream. He had a dream, 11 stars, his brothers. The sun and the moon was going to bow down to him. What a, a mountain, what a mountaintop experience dream. But how many of you know that he didn't just jump into that dream and it happened? How many of you remember the valley of the pit? Y'all remember that? How many of you remember the valley of the accusation by crazy lady? Right? Are you following me? How many of you remember, uh, 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 what was the other, the valley of prison? You know, I think it was over 17 years of the dreams, but down in the valleys. And then he had an amazing mountaintop experience. He becomes the, like the governor of Egypt and saves a lot of people and wonderful things. But I want to let you know, uh, we were talking to, to Michael Jolly this week. And Michael was like, you know, God didn't share with him the whole story in the dream. It's probably a good thing, isn't it? It's for me and you. I don't know. It's probably very, I don't know if we would do what we would do at times if God revealed the whole story to us. And I, I tell you, listen, I want to let you know that God speaks to us on the mountains. God instructs us in the mountains. I want to give you this, this other mountaintop experience. This is uh, Mount Sinai. I want you to see this in Exodus 24, 16 through 18. If you're, if you're following me there, if you'll turn there, Exodus 24, 16. Through, can I have a few more minutes of the time? We good with that? Can we take a vote? Because if it's not majority, we'll just shut her down. We good? We just had a lot of different things going on in the service. Thank you for your patience. Now, the glory of the Lord rested on the Mount Sinai. Say that with me, Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called a Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of children. What an experience of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain. Look at this. 40 days and 40 nights. 
God speaking, downloading into Moses 40 days and 40 nights on top of Mount Sinai. He's talking to him of all kinds of different things. Offering of the sanctuary. He's talking to him about the Ark of Testimony, showbread, golden lampstand. He's downloading amazing experience. And then all of a sudden, say this with me, valley happens. You remember what happens whenever God and Moses is up on the mountaintop and they're, you know, 40 days, 40 days. Do you remember what takes place? Uh, Aaron, 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 Moses is delayed. We don't know where the man of God is. Moses, is we need a God. Would you make us a God, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron? Will you make us a God? Well, Aaron, I don't even know where his head It must have been in the stinking desert sand somewhere. Yeah, I'll make you a God, I guess. Okay, give me your earrings. All you dudes, all you women, give me all your earrings. We're going to make a God. He makes a, a golden calf. And you know God knows what's going on. They make a golden calf, and it just gets all crazy. Let me read a little bit of the story because it's kind of interesting discussion between God and Moses over this situation. If you look at Exodus 32, 1, it says this. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together in Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods that we go before us. Uh, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened become of him. And then it skipped down to Exodus 32, 7. Look at this. This is pretty cool. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down. God sees what's going on down in the valley. For, say this with me, your people. It's pretty interesting. God calls the people to Moses, hey, they're your people. For your people, for whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Now, look what Moses says to God. Verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against, look, look, your people, <laughs> whom you, Moses is like, no, they're yours. No, they're yours. You brought them out. Nope, you brought them out. You brought them out. Nope, you brought them. Your people, no, your people. And Moses and God's going at it. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but something like that. Your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. And then look what takes place. Exodus 35, 32, 15 through 20. Moses turned, went down from the mountain with two tablets of testimonies in hand, were in his hand. The tablets were written. These are so cool. The tablets were written on both sides. On the one side and on the other, they were written. Now, the tablets were the, look, the work of God. The writings were the writings of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people, they were shouting. He said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came down from the near the camp, he saw the calf. And the dancing. And Moses' anger became hot and he cast, wow, he must have been really ticked. He cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Can you imagine? I mean, the tablets that God wrote on. Then he took the calf. Oh, you want, you want a golden calf? You want to go? 
You want a golden calf? I'll give you a golden calf. I'll give you a golden. Look what Moses does. And he took the calf which they made, burnt it in fire, and ground it to powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. You want some gold calf? I'll give you some gold calf. <laughs> Here's the challenge. Young people, if you're 12 to 18, raise your hand. Fill me for a minute. Got a camp coming up. I know Pastor Dylan. I guarantee you, like all the other varsity camps, it will be an amazing mountaintop experience. Are you feeling me? It'll be a mountain. God's going to meet you there. There's prayer and preparation goes into It's amazing. But let me, let me warn you of something. You come back. You've been on the mountain for a week. And then, man, you're excited at the service. And be excited. Man, I'll jump and sing and dance with you. But don't let mountaintop Joe be gone in three weeks. Understand that that's a mountaintop experience. And when you walk off of there, valley happens. And you're going to have to, come on, listen to me, cultivate a day-to-day discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to have a love affair with his word. You need to make your room like a study prayer room where you and Jesus meets on a daily basis. If not, Mountain Top Joe will be gone in three weeks, and we probably won't see you until next summer camp. Are you feeling me? It's the truth. Now let's talk to those who, if you're over 18, raise your hand. Ain't no difference. You just are a little more mature, a little older. Know how to fake it a little bit. Ain't no much difference. We have a sound and God speaks and all of a sudden, man, mountaintop experience and oh my goodness, what that was like. Hey, just like an 18-year-old or a 15-year-old, you have to have a love affair with God's word. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You need to be a disciple, not a Jesus jumper, but a Jesus follower. Plant your roots in Man, allow God to do a work deep in your heart because I tell you what, when you come out of the mountain, you just have to do real life. You remember on the, Jesus took three of his disciples up to this high on this mountain. Say this with me, mountain of transfiguration. High on the mountain. God speaks. The disciples are freaking out, man. Peter's like, hey! I'll build us three tabernacles. You know why? Because Peter's like, I want to stay here, bro. This is cool on top of the mountain. I'll make one for you, Jesus. One, because Elisha, Elijah and Moses showed up. Come on, somebody. I'll make one for you. I'll make one for Elijah. I'll make one for Moses. That's not, that's not what took place. You can't stay on the mountain. You can't live on the mountain. We live in the valley. I'm going to talk to you next week about valleys why I think we go through valleys, what we face in valleys, etc. But let me just encourage you. If you've never had a mountaintop experience, I would say seek out. What I mean by that is meet with Jesus in a very, very, very real and powerful way. It's life-changing. 
Those times you can lean. You can remember those times. You can go back to those times. You can go, wow, you can get fire in those times. Man, you can just lean into those times where you had those mountaintop experience. I tell you, they'll never leave you. But you can't live there. We live down in the valleys. So I just encourage you today, man, you can seek those. You can draw from them. God wants to birth vision. He wants to birth ministry. He wants to birth things in your heart that maybe you've never experienced before in the lowlands. But valley happens. Amen. And we're going to take this up next week when it comes to valleys. Will you raise, stand?